podcast from Crew and Mike is, I think it's really cool and um, that is what I wanted to say. Two and a mic. I thought I'd have a chat with Kara, and I ended up with Kara and Mike. And as you'll hear, they work so well together and are so much fun. It was a great experience for me. While we were talking, a couple of questions came to mind. One of which was, where are the role models? There is a need for more sports people from different sports to step forward and open up about their neurodiversity. So many people go out of their way to hide their neurodiverse label. If more people were to come forward, that stigma would dissipate. Society in general is quite unaware of neurodiversity. I know this from my own ignorance. There is a stigma attached to so many things that need not necessarily have a stigma attached. Stigma, in this sense, is a feeling that a topic should not be spoken about or looked at, and which therefore prevents a greater awareness of neurodiversity developing naturally. We discuss topics of a complex nature, about school, inclusion, discrimination, identity and acceptance. Some of the talk, as natural as it was for us, may be discomforting for some. If it is, I apologise. My podcast always aims to be inclusive, especially for those voices that do not usually get the amplification they deserve. Kara and Mike are doing a lot together and it's great to follow their progress, and I look forward to speaking with them both in 2023. Thank you, Kara and Mike. It was a real pleasure to chat with you both. And for those who celebrate, Merry Christmas. I am once again joined by Kara, who is, I think, the the current internet sensation with regards to neurodiversity, and Mr. X. Hi, Hi, Zach. So for the viewers, or I should say the listeners, um, Mr. X is actually my husband, Mikey, um, Michael Mottram. And the reason that I've got him on today is to see if having someone here that can kind of like reinterpret the questions or like fill in the gaps for me might help me to actually have Zach included in the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because obviously last time I had to like throw it on its head and like two and a mick became one and a mick. And then this time, I mean, it's, it's now three and a mick, but, but like. Or two and two and a two and a, two guide. And a two, two and a guide. Yeah, two and a guide. Yeah. Two and a mick and a guide. Two, so yeah. yeah. Or two and a real mic. Yeah, because yeah, maybe. Oh my God, yeah. Two and the mic. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, know I was just here to kind of. I think sometimes Takara sort of struggles in some situations to really kind of express herself and I think sometimes I can give her a nudge in the right direction mm. and uh, kind of point, get her going and then when she's going yeah. then she doesn't need stopping. Yeah yeah it's like you just get me through the door sometimes like because you know me 
better than anyone else like I I it takes me like don't get me wrong at home sometimes it takes me about what like a day to open up about something that in the morning you ask me like what's up but um like he has that time that he lives with me and he so he like understands me inside and out and that's why I guess he can kind of prompt me to be the real me as such Mm. yeah I mean, I don't want to build you up as like the couple of the millennium or anything, but uh, it seems to me that you've got um, no, but you've got something a bit more than simply a relationship between like married people. You've got this like uh, you, you support one another, don't you? I remember, Cara, we had a chat and you were in where were you? Was that somewhere in Sweden or something? And you were supporting. Oh, Mikey, you know? yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, Mikey was. Um, so he's like been a cyclist for the last 10 years, like a semi-professional cyclist. And he's just moved into doing a bit of gravel racing. Um, which I fully support now that I've retired from rowing. Oh, by the way, I retired from rowing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Just throw that in there. Yeah, just throw that in there. Um, But gravel racing, the environment, the vibe is so great. Like it's so fun um, and it's so vibrant and it's really enjoyable to go and watch him. Like for once it's, it's that way around. Um, Yeah. And we were in Sweden and I met some of his, some of, my, some of my teammates at the time yeah and, and this, uh, I totally vibed with one of them yeah um, well a, t- a teammate a teammate's girlfriend yeah teammate's girlfriend and <laughs> like it was like a bromance but with girls so yeah, yeah I just had such a great time there yeah but I think going back to what you're saying we do kind of try and more than more than just kind of cohabit you know try you know, people often say we we spend all our time together, and we do. But at the same time, we enjoy it. So it's um. Yeah, but you do yeah. like literally like five or six hour bikes where we're not together. Yeah, yeah. And what well, I'll be sleeping at the time. Yeah, so. probably normally, probably <laughs> still normally in bed. So that's fine. <laughs> okay but I mean you've also done a lot of uh, time as it were watching Cara either in races or 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 training and so on so um it's nice when the boot's on the other foot isn't it so to speak yeah yeah it is it has been really nice having Cara at the last few races that I've done and and kind of take a some different places or different places for me I've never been as well recently so um it's been really nice but um when Cara was rowing often it was I'd I'd go to the races, but it was more the time away, which was the the difficult bit, mm. probably for both of us in the sense of like training camp time. You know, coming to the summer, you know, there'd be two months really where mm. it should just be away, kind of back for two days, then back out again. And I think that was the that was the difficult part for both of us really. So, but it's been nice. It's nice having her around a bit more recently. Mm. Mm. And also when people tend to think about athletes or sports people and so on, and, you know, when their careers come to an end, they tend to sort of drop off the radar. And and I'm most familiar with uh, football players or basketball players. And, you know, they either then go into coaching or they go into commentating and so on. But um, a lot don't and they kind of disappear. Mm. So you've just, you know, sort of laid on that little mini bombshell that you've retired (laughs) <laughs> so all right and we know a little bit we know a little bit about your plans but yeah so what's happening to you at the moment because you're not you're not you're not going to go into training and commentating so you know no so well I I still like destroy myself on Zwift every day um <laughs> <laughs> so I still like I mean I'm better at that than I was when I 
just finished when I was like at the peak of my fitness so sorry about me but <laughs> um yeah I did when I when I got my injury like what was it six eight months ago well I well mean, no that's when I stopped because of my injury the injury I got yeah injury. the injury was like a long time coming and I mean after, it was like immediately after Tokyo I had pins and needles in my legs and I think that's probably where where I had a torn a uh, ruptured disc but when I sort of said enough's enough I need to rehab this which was about six or eight months ago um you know there was part of me that was like do I just fade into obscurity now um because I kind of had it in my head like I was never going to make a proper decision until I was better but there was a part of me that was like mm, my body my body's kind of like giving up on me a bit and I'm tired from all those years of taking lithium and being in an environment that was like not very inclusive um and I was like you know I'm just I'm just tired and I just want to I guess I should just get back in my box and fade away which is probably what like a lot of athletes feel um especially the ones that don't get to achieve what maybe they they feel they could have achieved um and a lot of that is down to luck or environment but I think because of the way that I am in terms of I'm very much a problem solver and I don't let people stand in my way which is part of the reason I spent so long almost like hitting my head against a brick wall at rowing it was like one barrier after another after another and I was like I'm not gonna let someone else take my dreams away from me um but they didn't get taken away but they definitely got a little bit squashed um but I don't want that to happen to someone else and like that's I don't want that to happen to someone else and then obviously I'm confident enough we were literally talking just now when we were waiting for Mikey to get on the call um about how it's kind of fortunate that I had that sort of slight those slight autistic tendencies because it means that as much as I am anxious to put myself out there to be vulnerable to be on podcasts to be on tv like I think because I'm sort of a little bit on my own island a bit a bit further away than everyone else's islands like it means that I can kind of retreat back into that um and be away from it and not get too overwhelmed by it all so I think in that way it's kind of a good combination for me to to be able to do this advocacy work and try and make a change and yeah so I'm sort of driven by got those fortunate attributes and then I'm driven by just this like need to make sure that no one else goes through what I went through like during those 10 years there were some horrific times and I can talk about it and laugh about it now I can talk about it especially because Mikey's next to me and he was there but like there's no way that that should ever be allowed to happen again no it's funny for me because in the last couple of years um when Cara's been much more on top of everything and kind of things have made much more sense yeah, since I've, the diagnosis. Yeah, also. since the diagnosis and everything, I've been like, you have an incredible story to tell. And uh, for me, it's almost or always been a bit like, well, kind of one day she'll kind of tell her story, and I, I didn't really know if that'll be while she was rowing or not. And I remember speaking to a a reporter around or a, a um, producer around the Olympics, and there was like a radio station just wanted to do a friends and family thing and I, I mentioned it because I knew Cara wouldn't really mind and I knew it was kind of all in confidence 
and that producer was just like that's an incredible story can we like you know can we get back in touch and stuff and was that Andy Moon? no no no, no, oh, it was, yeah, else. no but um but yeah and um when she's ready and I like I always knew kind of she'll have this incredible thing to tell and it was when she stopped rowing it was not not disappointing but when it, when she was kind of like oh well, I'll look for this job I'll apply for this job sort of thing and she was getting rejected or kind of just not getting very far with them or things and and it almost always felt like she was slightly underselling herself until it was a bit like right I'm going to forge my own path and go my own way mm. and I was like yeah like that will make sense now that's what you should be doing mm. well it was part it was also partly like dipping my toe into the neurodiverse neurodivergent community Mm -hmm. and speaking to a few people and getting inspired so I like there was there's a guy that um is the founder and CEO of uh, Neuropool which is a recruitment company for um people with autism I think or maybe neurodiverse neurodivergence but it might just be autism but he himself has ADHD and autism and and he's like 27 and he's been a CEO for three years. So I was like, oh, my God, like I've been made to feel like half a person for so long. Like this is something to be shameful of. Like it's a disability. And, you know, maybe it's not. And then I okay, that that's what got the ball rolling. Um, and yeah, now I'm like, OK, so that's what a single role model did for me imagine what having lots of role models neurodivergent role models could do for neurodivergent athletes like imagine if I didn't feel so alone when I was an athlete and so like wrong and different and disabled but hidden um like what confidence that could have brought me so that's partly why I'm I'm doing this blog that you've kind of seen a couple of person putting another one out today but I want I want a place for for neurodivergent athletes to feel inspired and like a lot of the comments that I've got so far in direct messages have been people getting in touch to say this is this is needed and this is something I've looked for like the, the girl in my yeah. message from the other day who I knew from rowing like way back in the day um she was like I'm a teacher and I teach like uh special education and educational needs students like with like especially like ADHD and autism boys and they kind of have this view that they can't be athletes even if they really like sport because they've never seen an athlete out there especially say like a football or something so shout out to footballers who might be neurodivergent and want to be on them <laughs> want to be on the blog but um they don't have any role models so they're like okay right that door's closed right um, and she said she looked up on the internet she felt so bad about it and she did an internet search and there was nothing there's like maybe like 10 10 people out there who are openly um, neurodivergent and usually after they stop uh, after competing. they stop competing um, but yeah so it's a, it's a travesty it's needed and there's a lot of people that are already getting in touch to say this is incredible like this is what we need yeah Mm. sorry I just like literally spoke so long there not at all yeah <laughs> you, you are so self-critical aren't you it's um I guess that's perhaps really? a characteristic in this way um as I said before though Kara it's great to hear you talk and you know feel free to say however you whatever you want and for however long you want 
I've never felt at all that you've said anything moderately inappropriate. Funny. Really? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, I mean, you normally know when something inappropriate is coming because she says, it's something along the lines of, can I just ask you this one question? And then that's, um, that's when the inappropriate question like comes in. the conversation in. we had with that guy the other day. Yeah, yeah. I can't say his name because, you know. He... I think it was... It was something like at the end of the conversation, then it was like I was burning. I was like, I needed to ask this question the whole conversation. <laughs> and I needed goes, to ask it. And, it. and we were about to leave. And I was like, I just need to know. It's not even inappropriate. It's not that inappropriate. But so she goes, how do you get your hair so perfectly quiffed? No, that wasn't the, no, that wasn't the only question. That was, <laughs> yeah. I asked that one in the middle. Oh, did you? Okay. The other, well, I did want it to know that because he had a, a cycling helmet on before that. And he just popped it off and his hair was like perfect. Anyway, so that was one of the questions. The other one was how old he was. Oh, yeah, that was it, yeah. I just um, needed to know. Yeah, so inappropriate question. You normally It normally has a big sign on it with um, end of the conversation and can I, <laughs> can I just ask you this one thing? And, then, and there's then, all things I've built up then, during the conversation. Then, then you know you're in, then you know it's coming. Yeah, oh, those okay. aren't bad, those ones, but there have been some, like, really inappropriate ones before. Like, if, if someone's pregnant, I won't go into this, but if someone's pregnant or had a baby, that could be followed by some very inappropriate questions. She wants to know the details. Of I want to know. I don't want to know why. I want to know everything about it. How it works. And then I'll put, I'll store it in my um, encyclopedia in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could put that down to natural curiosity, I guess. But um, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, Micah, you've been familiar clearly um, with autism, um, ADHD, and some of these other neurodivergent shall we say characteristics um, but I haven't so I've heard of you know autism and these things but I haven't necessarily been um, had such a long time to familiarize myself with them but since being um, informed and uh, having my eyes opened by Kara I see neurodiversity everywhere because I've you know I follow what Kara has allowed me to see should we say on LinkedIn or in her blog so you know when when she's uh, liked something and then I go in and I read it, I say, oh. Oh, yeah, oh that's cool so then I go and like yeah. it and I start following these people too however I think there are lots and lots of people who are like me pre-Cara if that's possible to mm -hmm. say um, who are not at all aware of this uh, this part of society yeah. Yeah, I mean, how how was that sort of initial introduction for you? Because you were obviously far closer to uh, mm -hmm. you know, the issue. As yeah. It were. yeah, well, I mean, it's it's probably quite difficult to say in the sense that I've been on the journey with Kara because she was diagnosed. Misdiagnosed. She was yeah, she well, she was misdiagnosed when I knew knew her, and she was only diagnosed when I knew her. Like, so I knew she had autism probably before she had it, um, before she knew she had it. Sorry. Um, like I don't know if she told the story, but effectively, like she'd had her bipolar di misdiagnosis, and there was through a period in end of 2018, she was really struggling just with day-to-day -day things and training and everything. And I was driving, I was listening to the radio, and this person came on, a girl, like in her 20s, who'd been misdiagnosed with bipolar and had autism, and I was like, that is Cara, like 100%, that is Cara. And it kind of set the ball rolling. And I think for me, it's just people with autism, it's it's just slightly different and kind of just all it is is not what you'd expect. And 
you know if we all think back in our heads like we all know those people we all know them and unfortunately they're often the kind of slightly strange outcast you know at school or at work or something but it's actually just because they're not they're not being enabled to thrive because the situ- the the environment or the circumstances haven't been put in place for them to do so but yeah you just kind of just slightly different ways of thinking different ways of communicating kind of and probably in reality always putting up a little bit of a front until you can kind of work behind it even like even with me now it's kind of right what's the matter or what's the problem and it's but in reality Cara doesn't know in her own head what Mm -hmm. like what's going on but there's a natural barrier sometimes and then we work through it together but it's it's just a different way of looking at the world and you know it's not it's not better or worse it's just different and but unfortunately kind of if society is set up for 95 percent of people and you know and there's five percent of people who look at things in a different Actually, way um 85 percent okay. of okay. people because 15 percent of people are neurodivergent okay so <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> but even still if society we're set, doing really good though, if, if society is set up in a certain way then it makes it difficult for those people who are just like outcasts it's like different ways of functioning to function and i suppose the difficulty on top of that is that every autistic or neurodiverse person person with neurodivergent neurodivergent person, person yeah. sorry um has a different way is slightly different and so kind of it's very difficult to make these things which is all what it's all about kind of understanding understanding yeah. and making it's like yeah. person-centered is the way to go it's not like you should deal with any neurodivergent person like this mm-hmm. it's just have open minds yeah like don't put people in boxes don't have preconceptions about people just get to know them get to know what they need and get to know what they can give you mm-hmm. like um yeah. But I suppose it's kind of having that person-centered approach, then kind of, you know, if you open that up to everyone, you know, the whole of society, yeah. you know, what's possible. And I know like resource is always limited and that's not easy, but kind of if you think me and you day to day, we kind of, you know, we don't we don't do certain things because like we want to do them a certain way, we do them because society says we have to do them a certain way or kind of have to Whereas if we could do things in exactly the way that suit us, then maybe, you know, productivity could be far greater. And Yeah, like who's to say that people who don't necessarily classify as neurodiversity, that's what neurodiversity is, is encompasses everyone's behavioural differences and differences in neurology. So like every single person is different, not just neurodivergent people. Who's to say that you couldn't get more productivity out of everyone with a slightly more person-centered approach? Just neurodivergent people are just slightly more different or just like present slightly more differently. But yeah, I I definitely agree with that. And like that was kind of like the silver lining of COVID. Obviously, it was like a terrible thing to, to happen and a lot of people really suffered. But what came out of it was a lot of people suddenly realized oh you know the way that I'm doing things at work for instance actually that doesn't suit me um and for some people it's like I actually need to work from home or I need to work from home three days a week or 
for some people they realize they need to be in the office and that's fine for them but it kind of opened the door to have a little bit more flexibility to get the best out of people there's like not as many assumptions that okay if you want to work from home you're lazy it's like well I'm sure some people are but some people actually to to work from home means that they they can get more done um so I just think getting rid of like stereotypes and preconceptions and things and just it should be about people's values and people's intentions rather than their actions and the way things look Mm. yeah there is obviously there's a lot of preconceptions in society and generally speaking when somebody is perhaps um somewhat different uh, they don't want to follow the established trends and principles and ways of doing things then then people tend to focus on themselves one minute what's going on here Mm. um but this is something which can also be reflected upon with uh, you know lots of different characteristic traits and and, and so on. But as I just just to say that it's, it seems to be very normal in society that, or it's common, I should say, in society that people are critical of those things they don't necessarily understand. Yeah. Um, and so, how much do you think the awareness of neurodiversity has increased? Because I did see, I think it was yesterday or the day before, Cara, you shared a post, um, but you also commented on um, the mayor of London making London a city for neurodiversity Mm. and so on, which seems to be quite a big thing, isn't it? I shared that post because Dan Harris, who is, I think he's he's the the founder of Neurodiversity in Business, um, which is like an, what is it, like an ecosystem of, neurodiverse Hmm. neurodiversity related companies um or charities which we're like neurodiverse sport is part of so that's a cic that i set up um and he's lobbying for a lot of change in government um which is really incredible and yeah i saw that one it was um trying to make london the most neurodiverse city in europe was it something like that but it's great like it's definitely a subject I would say in the last five years probably that's coming to light I mean it was the term was coined in like 1997 but I guess the world wasn't quite ready for it then like since then what we've had um there was still sort of that barrier to get over Mm -hmm. um like before that it was race before that it was uh gender um and now it's coming back to gender almost with the what is gender what is sex but I feel like the difference in people's brains is is the next thing and like who who knows like what 20 30 40 years ago people wouldn't have really known that everyone has a sort of different way of processing things and behaving and who's to say that like we don't know that people run on a different frequency Hmm. or people like I don't know some people are like sensitive to different smells and different smells that people give off and things like that and who's to who's to say that in 20 years time it's not going to be a movement for people who are high frequency or a movement for people who are low frequency you need to be frequency inclusive or smell inclusive or something like that um but like it's all about progress isn't it and making sure that everyone can live their best lives and also contribute in the best way um I don't think it's like hedonistic I don't think it's uh like no movement is people trying to be the best or get the 
get something better than anyone else it's about them trying to have an equal footing so that they can contribute to society and help society move forwards and prevent more of the sort of like less the more negative things from happening um yeah, yeah I think getting awareness and inclusivity for for the cause is it's important and it is getting it is getting there but I think you're always going to require those role models uh, for it because no, you're not going to kind of be sympathetic with it until you know someone um, who's out, like who's neurodiverse and stuff, because the nature of it is you're the person who doesn't fit in with society, really, because that you have a different way of thinking. And going back to what I said, it is that kind of, it's really sad but it's that weird child at school and we all kind of we all know someone who at school was that the weird I wasn't kid. a weird child though okay I'm a, I think because females wait I wasn't yeah. uh, but I think because <laughs> I mean, girls can like this masks is, so this, this is like the, fit in. this is the person who'd walk out of many miles to school and I'm sure probably people around you probably thought really she's the weird one Maybe anyway <laughs> anyway um because because neurodiverse people are other people who don't fit in, it's hard to kind of neurodivergent. Neurodivergent. No, like neurodiverse is like yeah. everyone, whereas okay. neurodivergent is the people who sort of diverge. A bit, yeah, I think. Well, that's my interpretation. So neurodivergent people are the ones who don't fit in generally. Yes, you said it already. <laughs> so it. So then you kind of you need those role models to to show show the way sort of thing because naturally society is going to look at people as outcasts I don't think it's something that can't change though because like no for me probably when I was I sort of had defense mechanisms up and I was a bit in denial about my difference and you know I was just trying to like be the best athlete I could be to like because that was my way of proving that I was good at something and that I could fit in um I think, yeah, as a defence mechanism, I did see other as bad. Um, and partly because of the society that I grew up in in the 90s. Um, I kind of followed that trend and it wasn't until I was in my 20s when I kind of put the mirror up to myself and was like, OK, maybe I am struggling and I maybe I maybe I am a bit different. Mm -hmm. And went through that journey of kind of like letting those barriers down um, and being a being being more accepting of myself that I then started to accept everyone else that was a bit different. And so that's why I believe that everyone has the ability to be accepting because I've gone from being very unaccepting to being 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 accepting like you don't want to know some of the things that I used to think I was so intolerant but it's funny because yeah I was actually inside on the outskirts and it, yeah like I say it was a defense mechanism but I think that if you if you show if you show people the sort of human side of difference and the reasons that that's kind of that's what's needed to to help them make the change in their own heads and sort of break those barriers down, break those preconceptions down. I think sport is like a really great way to do that because who who doesn't respect an athlete? 
there's very few people that don't respect an athlete and the people that don't respect athletes probably are the more open-minded empathetic people anyway right so but if you start presenting athletes who immediately you're like I respect them because they're really good at sport and then you say oh by the way they're neurodivergent like it starts to chip away at those stereotypes and negative preconceptions so yeah I think sport is a great way to do that basically Mm. I mean, there's also an element of, you know, being driven uh, for sort of elite athletics or some of these elite sports people. You have to be driven. You have to have a certain thing tick in your mind that tells you you've hit the pain barrier, but you've got to keep going because you've got to excel. Um, So there's nothing to say that there isn't this particular, I suppose, neurological element within a lot of top sports people. Mm. It's just probably not necessarily recognized as, as something which would be divergent yeah I've heard this a lot actually there's like a lot of people who are kind of like you know I reckon all athletes are a little bit sort of different or neurodivergent probably like maybe to different degrees yeah but I would say there's definitely like a subsect I'd say like probably more the uh individual uh sport athletes tend to be um present in a more neurodivergent way but then again, that's me stereotyping, isn't it? So <laughs> you're allowed. Um, <laughs> so you had recently the the BBC came um, and uh, interviewed you. Before we get Kara's thoughts on it, um, Mikey, oh. your home was <laughs> invaded by a camera crew. Um, yeah. How was that experience for you? Uh, it was okay. Um, I think well we. You only found out a couple of days before that um, they wanted to do an interview, didn't they? Um, yeah, that was two days of pure yeah, stress. Yeah, two days. Cara was really stressed about it, but <laughs> I was very chilled about it, and it was pre-recorded, and it was um, nice to know you were chilled. Yeah, it was just two guys, so it wasn't it wasn't terrible like on my side of things at all. Um, I just knew Cara was a little bit stressed about it, and I knew whatever she did, she would probably hate it first time it went out anyway, but um, she's grown to kind of like what she did. Um, well, I wouldn't go that far. Okay, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I'd say I accept yeah. it. Yeah, but it's, um, it's always funny, these things, because obviously it was it was a short, it was a short little bit, it was, what, three, four minutes long? Yeah. But obviously they're here. And they're probably, probably I think, oh uh, yeah, I think they got about 40 minutes of footage sort of thing to whittle, and they said they were going to struggle, but um, but I think they they did a good job. And I was, well, they said they were going to struggle, Mike, yeah. because there was just so much gold dust in it. Yeah, it was good content. <laughs> but um, but the, I'm glad uh, that they took away some of the stuff but, that I might get in trouble for. Yeah. But annoyingly, she did a bit where she talked about me, and they cut that out. Yeah. And they did oh. a bit did a bit with filming with the dog, and they cut that out as well. Yeah, so Bridget, um, I thought Bridget was going to make her debut. So they didn't. Um, they didn't She's quite. A they, they didn't have quite they didn't quite have enough time for us but then playing as Ankara but yeah yeah um, I'll leave you with Mike don't worry yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah like what well, I was saying to you earlier that and I, and I actually wrote it for the interest of honesty on my when I posted about the video but I like really struggled with the lights and I was actually like really happy with myself for partway through the interview like actually identifying that because that's something that in the past I wouldn't have been able to identify and like Mikey said for me it's really hard to interpret my own feelings sometimes it's it's funny because I'm so good at doing it to other people like a lot of my friends and family will say 
you're so wise and you're like able to like almost see the patterns in people's behaviors and so I'm very observant and yet when it comes to myself I'm just so inept like like there's just like a barrier um but I guess from lessons learned and then also it was really obvious that like all I was thinking was the light the light the light and it kept like I kept like just fumbling my words and then stopping and forgetting everything and then fortunately like they Trevor the cameraman like sort of turned it swiveled it a bit and um then I was like able to sort of like not feel so disrupted but that's like a lesson learned for me another lesson was to like make sure I have good sound bites to make sure the key stuff comes through first and then I can kind of go into more depth and they can show that if they want but it's all it's all a learning lesson it's just funny that like my first experience of tv was bbc news yeah. <laughs> like great that's a like, regional news but still yeah, regional news, still, but it was, still. yeah and it was amazing um how many people still watch regional they watch their regional news at the yeah. end because there's so many people just popping up like I was just eating my tea and you popped on TV yeah. sort of thing. So. But that embarrasses me because like, yeah. I think it's because I still have that for, for so many years I felt a massive shame about who I was and so my immediate reaction is to like dive into the nearest hole in the ground and just bury myself but like I have to take a moment to think like no you didn't do anything wrong you, there's nothing to be ashamed of like that is the point that's what you're trying to do is change those preconceptions so that when someone has to say I have autism um, I might need to do this differently they don't have to feel that incredible shame <laughs> like and someone needs to do it and unfortunately it's going to be me and so I'm going to have to be brave but I've had to be brave for a lot of things and it's just another one of them. Mm-hmm. The, the interview um, and also the the charities that you've set up, um, your online presence, uh, generally speaking, your blogging, your your networking, um, your you because you're also through the blog you're telling the stories of other people who are also yeah. athletes and so on. You've got two up so far. Uh, there is the the weightlifter and then there is another rower if I'm not mistaken. Oh, sailor. 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 Sorry. Yeah. yeah um so today i'm putting out one triathlete okay um i mean this is a lot of work that you're putting into um and clearly it's going to take a lot of dedication on your part which is not something that uh, you're not exactly used to so you know clearly having the career that you've had has required you to be extremely engaged Mm. um but you're also learning lots of new tricks aren't you um developing new skills and so on um (laughs) How much of a challenge is that? Is you a bit of a tech wizard now or is that does Mikey help um, out a bit as well? I think, you know, the biggest thing that I've realised is that I think I capped myself a lot. I think when you get put down, um, and it's funny because I, I still carried on to sort of keep training and performing at a high level, and but I don't think I ever really achieved my absolute best and especially like outside of rowing I I really kept myself I had to put so much energy into rowing and masking and things that I didn't have energy outside but also I didn't have belief like I thought I was incapable I literally said to you yesterday in the car I was like Mikey I think I'm smarter than I know this sounds really big-headed but I was like I think I'm smarter than I thought like I think I'm smarter than people gave me credit for kind of thing and 
I'm not saying I'm super smart, but that just shows you like where my confidence was and where my self-esteem was. I thought I was so incapable. There's so many things that I was like, I am, well, first of all, I was like, I'm bipolar, I'm mad. Obviously that wasn't true. I was like, I'm bipolar, I'm incapable. And then I was like, oh, I'm autistic. I'm incapable of this, this and this, which again, isn't true. Like, and so it's been a great journey of like, understanding that yes I'm different yes I have this label but there are a lot of things I can do and I've just absolutely like blown my own expectations out the water and then this is also the message I want to give to other people like if you don't feel that you have a super I genuinely believe everybody has a superpower and there's a lot of like neurodivergent and autistic people that say don't spread that message because I'm not good at anything and it's like that's so so sad to hear because I think there will be something that you're good at you just haven't been enabled um but yeah like I never thought I could set up a CIC like just doing the paperwork at the start alone was like difficult but I did it basically you'll see on my LinkedIn I did a (laughs) I did a start your own business course which started in October last year (laughs) and then it finished in like September this year and then and then I started my own business. <laughs> I feel like that's such an autistic thing to do to be like, oh, I just learned to do it and I'll do it. Um, but yeah, like, and then, like you said, there's lots of lots of things I'm learning on the job, which inevitably means I make mistakes that people see, which is really hard for me to deal with. But um, I'm trying to like be accepting of that. Um, like the captions mistake that I was talking about earlier. <laughs> um, and and yes, doing doing it all takes a lot a lot of time um and effort and you know interviewing athletes and writing the blogs but I love it and I almost see that if this grows and if hopefully I get some funding and maybe some like volunteers and then staff like the thing that I and this is me in dream world but like the thing that I would like to keep in touch with is the athlete blog that that's the bit that I'm so passionate about um so it's hard but it's like enjoyable and worth it I would say I think what I've seen in Cara recently is just much more of a why not attitude Mm. and you know and I think often people with autism kind of it's so you can't I can't do this I can't do that I can't this that and the other whereas it's whereas actually just taking more of an approach of okay what can I do I can do this that the other and you know saying why not you know there might be a reason so why not do something but then the next thing maybe she can do and kind of discover so much more about herself but also I get to do things in my own way now yeah exactly whereas like when I was on the team I I had to do it their way Mm. and that didn't work for me whereas now I can do it my own way and therefore there's nothing that I can't do like I genuinely believe like anyone can do anything if they have the motivation and they are able to make the changes and adaptations they need to to be able to like just problem solve that's what you need to do it's just the environments and things like that that get in people's mm-hmm. get in people's way like yeah. and maybe I wouldn't be able to sort of stare into a light and have a great conversation but <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll find a solution to that as well I'd wear some wear some glasses that protect me from the light you know there's just solutions and ways to everything. everyone you can just learn to do things just it's just having the freedom to do it and um, I mean, how much time, um, Mike, 
I mean, I, I don't know what what else you do. So obviously you're a semi-professional cyclist. Yeah. But I mean, how, how much time can you personally dedicate? Do you have an, another job, for example, that you do? Yeah, yeah. In, so yeah. I, I run a, a reborn. I run a flooring company with my dad and my brother, like commercial. So I do the finance side of stuff, um, finance and administration side of things. So I do that. Um, and then obviously I do my cycling. Um, and then I kind of what I sort of say to Cara is sort of tell me what you want me to do. And it, I think at first I found it a little bit difficult because it was sort of like I want help, but she didn't really know what she wanted to help with. Yeah. Whereas kind of and also like I've got so much going on in my yeah. brain that it's like it almost takes me more effort to say it than mm-hmm. to just keep it in there and do it myself. Yeah, but even just kind of just saying a couple of the problems and like simple things like making a survey, mm. you know, make it like helping the website, bits and bobs like that, that I can do mm. to help. But so, yeah, because I, I was just, uh, for instance, with the survey thing, I was it was at night and I was like, I oh, have so much on my mind. So I just download, almost like download the thoughts onto my phone mm-hmm. and the notes section. And I knew exactly what I wanted to write in the survey. But then the next day, I kind of give it to him. So he's got everything that, he needs to write that he just inputs it and that that in itself is really helpful for me um and then also similarly with social media stuff Mm -hmm. sometimes I'll I'll write the I'll write the blog I'll write the post I'll get the photos I'll get everything but just navigating putting it onto the computer sometimes it just like um it's it's an I can't it's it's hard to describe the way my mind works but it's like an aside that's annoying um so like it's like a break in my chain of I'm doing stuff I'm doing stuff I do this I do that I do it do it do it do it and it's like oh that's really annoying I have to take time aside to then put that online and I found that he can really help me with that so I'm like I've just finished that okay Mikey do what you need to do with that I'm on to the next thing we've got um, a um we've got a, a board in our like office and uh it's called like the stuff about the <laughs> charity is about the uh CIC on it and um there's two little columns that say Mikey and Cara for jobs to do. <laughs> and often I'll turn up and there'll just be a, a new list of like Mikey jobs. I'm like, hang on, hang on. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Where did this come from? And admittedly, Car- the Cara list is is longer it's than very mine. very long, isn't it? At the moment, you've got one thing on yeah, the list, please. But still, it does just pop up. And it's and sometimes it's an, a sticky note on your, <laughs> yeah. on your, ca- on your computer yeah. screen. Yeah, yeah, that's it as well. And it, it, if I haven't paid attention to it, it, it gets put on my computer screen <laughs> or my keyboard. And, yeah. oh, that must be so amusing to, to come in and see these things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Luckily, Mikey's like very laid back, I would say. And he's we joke that he's like he's like a square, a gray square. And then I'm like, <laughs> what do you say? A colourful, what did you call it? An amorphous blob. Yeah. That always moves. <laughs> Something like, like that. But then together, it's like the perfect combination. We just balance each other out. Um, Something like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Fair enough. At this point, Kara, have you already begun doing all the things that you want to do? Or are there still pieces of thread in your head which remain sort of untouched oh there are lots of ideas that I have all right um but I I'm not so disorganized in my brain that or like I'm not so unrealistic that I can't prioritize I think for some people especially people with like 
ADHD and potentially like high functioning autism they like I know I know a friend who's mm. like he's he's great but he has so many I just got like 15 businesses on the go but he can never quite finish one um <laughs> whereas like I'm like oh I don't I've got just about enough wherewithal to understand that I can't move on to my next thing until I, I kind of have to do things in order I have to finish things so that's I feel fortunate about that but I definitely I sometimes I get a sense of panic because I'm like oh, I need to do this I need this this idea needs to be out in the world um and it's so funny because sorry it just made me think then I was like can I believe that I've just been literally in a metaphorical prison for 10 years and thought I literally like I said I thought I was so stupid but then I've come out and and now I'm free and I've got so many ideas that I know will help other people and it's just crazy that you can feel that way but be something so entirely different um even that in itself like I want to make other people understand that too um but yeah, I just I could tell you the ideas, but the same they're like gold dust, so I don't really I think want anyone it, to steal them. I think at the moment the <laughs> at the moment the priority is like getting the word out there and yeah. getting people's stories out there and kind of good good or bad stories, kind mm-hmm. of good or bad. I've got I, I can I can give an example of an idea that I I'm not protective over at all because I think it might it might require um like partnerships other people to mm-hmm. almost like make it happen but I really really believe there needs to be some kind of organization charity that provides neurodivergent mentors but then the first step to that is neurodivergent people being okay with disclosing their conditions um so you kind of almost need you know, need to build up a community of open neurodivergent athletes to have enough that there are some that wouldn't mind mentoring younger athletes or there are some that are retired that wouldn't mind mentoring current elite neurodivergent athletes. So what I'm doing is the first step towards that. But obviously it also requires a bit more of a like a greater structure and funding and everything like that. But yeah, when I say I, I've got all these crazy ideas, I don't mean like I'm going to build a flying machine. Like they're actual <laughs> practical ideas that like will help people. Um, but yeah, that's just one of them But like. <laughs> yeah no I, I wasn't at all trying to get your crazy ideas uh out and revealed to, to the world never no I hadn't Please. even thought about it Please. um but uh yeah no Wait, I can have... I just say as an aside Please. the BBC yeah. in the BBC um interview they went and panned all over my board didn't they it's lucky there wasn't anything hmm. anything that was that I needed to put there. confidential on there Luckily, wow. I hadn't updated it in about two weeks. But, no, sorry, probably means there's a list of incoming jobs for me, though, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Something yeah. to worry about. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, how do you feel about that, Cara? Because for me, I think we had, um, yeah, I think productive, interesting, um, amusing conversation, informative and insightful as well. Um, how, how did you feel about it? This conversation now. Yeah. Yeah, good. Um, I don't feel like I need to actually go back over it and edit it like last time. <laughs> but you um, will. <laughs> no, I, d- I don't think I will. No, I really? I okay. think I might. I don't think I'll even listen to it back. 
because I'm quite maybe this really that's I well I just yeah. I just feel like that's just asking me to like yeah. tinker with it maybe. which I shouldn't <laughs> um but also I just feel very a lot more comfortable having it's like again it sounds really offensive to you but <laughs> just having Mikey here yeah. Um, I think as long as it felt like it had enough sort of direction and stuff, but I, like if you kind of feel that it's sort of, then it's um, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, the first two had no direction, right? I mean, that's uh... <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm twisting oh, your words to totally direction. Yeah, that's good then. Direction. Directed. Yeah. Directed. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was fine, but that's what I feel like. I haven't obviously filled you in on this. Because I sh- it should be it would be funny to like tell everyone what happened. You were like, okay, so episode two, you'd written that we we should do this, this, and this, and then just before we started recording today, and I was like, oh, oh no, that's in the bin. We're not going to do that. And Mikey was like, Kara, he's probably prepared for that. But um, <laughs> so whilst recording, I'll just let you in on my idea, which is that these podcasts can be what you originally intended them to be before I tried to completely structure it, which is just chatting about like where I'm up to what I'm doing. And then potentially just like, then I can sort of like pull back, pull pull out some of the stories from the past, but I feel like that would be a much more natural and positive way to use them hopefully. And then, and then we can keep including Mikey. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means that then you well, we get, to, you get so. to have more of an you get to have more <laughs> of a say in your own podcast. Which what I mean, a treat! It's always, it's always nice. <laughs> what a treat for you! <laughs> you don't just have to do an intro and an outro. Yeah. <laughs> I did but, feel bad about that, but at the same why? time, it was it was fun. I have to say, and um, I mean not just the, the that podcast, but also your all of your other blogs and the the BBC interview as well. You've had um, some really good supportive feedback from people who are friends or who you've worked with, and so on. Uh, I mean that in itself must be quite rewarding, but also you know invigorating. You, you know you're on the right path, don't you? Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Like, and the thing is, it's like I always say this. I say I always say this. I've only been doing it for like a month or. <laughs> but if I impact one person, for me, that is enough. That's incredible. But I'm not going to stop until I stop positively impacting people. Mikey, it's great that you've been able to facilitate Kara's comfort um and okay. uh yeah the, the way that she has spoken and Kara, thank you always of course and um yeah, did i come I, across I'm, more like natural you've always been natural though Kara, to me okay thanks i think i can see it sometimes when she's not so kind of when she's a little bit more like yeah like uh and then i like come out of the room and, and then, just like claps on the floor and just be like oh or it takes you <laughs> takes you a while to kind of get into it whereas now I'll be fine when we finish I'll just be like cool I'll just put all the stress on Mikey hmm. yeah <laughs> good good all right well thank you very much thank you both of you and um, thank yeah. you I'll see you sure. yeah and I look forward to the the next one oh, Mike thanks two and oh, Mike <laughs>